Stevie Wonder. Hey, you know Stevie? Yeah. Mu music has changed so much over the years uh, since you first got started. What do you think of the music scene now and what's going on? Do you like it? I love it. Why? Because I think the one thing about music that is uh, this, this whole thing of music is that it is ever-growing, changing. Uh, people hear things that have been done before. They are inspired to, to come up with another way of doing it, a new way of doing it. Welcome, everyone. This is That Record Got Me High. I am Rob Elba. It is, as always, great to have all of you with me. And I'm really excited for this guest because I have a guest on that was supposed to be on a while ago. And then something happened and then he couldn't be on. But now he's on. Uh, I assume he's on. I was just chatting with him. So hopefully he's still there. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like I'm to, here. I'd like to welcome to That Record Got Me High, Mr. Bob Faye. Welcome to the show, Boy, Bob. Thanks. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me. It's great to be from here. <laughs> right, from Peabody, Massachusetts. Uh, originally from Peabody, Massachusetts. Originally from yep. Peabody, and where, where are you living now? I'm living in East Hampton, Massachusetts, okay. which is uh, <laughs> clear on the other side of the state. Um, I grew up in Peabody, and I lived in, gosh, I lived in Boston for years, and then I lived in L.A. for a number of years, and right. then I moved here in 2003. Oh, okay. So you moved, oh, and we've okay. been here ever since. Oh, so My you, wife grew up here. You did, you know, I thought you were just like always on the East Coast, but you actually did move to L.A. Uh, what years I, were yeah, you I lived in, in LA, L.A. from like 97 to 2003. It's where my wife and I started dating, actually. Oh, nice. Okay. And, and, we, got, and we got married in 2001. And, and how did you convince yeah, her to move I, to the Northeast? How did that happen? Well, she was the instigator. She, um, we were back one winter, and she just re-fell in love with New England, you know, with like a, an inch of snow on the ground. She was just Really? Sitting. And really felt the pull and was not liking her job in L.A. It was just like, and we wanted to have kids and we didn't really want to have kids out there necessarily. So, you know, she just, the line that stuck with me is like, well, it was a great place to be a kid. So since we were thinking about having kids, that was like a yeah. a big pull. And at first when we came back, that. you know, you just fell in love with the seasons and everything, which I'm still, I'm still absolutely in love with how things change out here and you know it's just very beautiful it is three-fourths of the year <laughs> i know i was just gonna say i love all the seasons too except maybe one of them <laughs> one of them i can Win yeah I'm winter is intense and it gets no easier as you get older but it's definitely it's pretty it really it is. is like I know and is. i and now that we have the dog i'm walking the dog around and just admiring my surroundings it really is lovely all right well that's good uh, good for you i'm glad you yeah. can appreciate it i'll maybe go visit but not in the winter i'm not going i have no yeah. desire if i don't <laughs> oh, see another <laughs> <laughs> LA ruined me for cold weather in a, in a, in a way. Yeah. Like well, that's LA, a, right. So temperate I'm, uh, I'm in Florida, South Florida. Six years in LA thing. thinned out my blood. It, it, it just does. thinned it's, out my it's blood. It's a real, that it. It, that's a real thing. You say that to people, but it is a real thing, right? It happens. Oh, absolutely. Coming back. I was like this sort of now if it's in, I mean, admittedly it's, it's very cold, but like I'll, if it's below 20 degrees, I'm like, man, this is just cold. And we've had some mornings recently um, minus three, minus four degrees. Oh, I remember before vaguely, I go to work. I remember what that feels like, and I just never want to feel that again. But you know, oh, it's it's good the worst. for you. I'm no fan. <laughs> no fan. All right, for those uh, those of you who don't know, you should know. Bob played with Sebado. Drummer played with Sebado. Played with uh, Lou Barlow and Friends. Uh, deluxe uh, folk. In, deluxe, in yeah. Deluxe was a friend. A band with a friend, my friend Mark Peretta, and it was sort of morphed into the deluxe folk and explosion for a while. We put out a record. Right. Um, that was a re relatively recent thing. So yeah, yeah many bands. That. Cardinal. I I started this band Cardinal with a couple of like-minded freaks named Eric Matthews and Richard Davies. This yeah, the discography is ridiculous. That's yeah, awesome. it, it is actually because you could look up. Yeah, and it is ridiculous. Yeah, but you you played on a lot of cool stuff, and, and that's awesome. You know, with a, yeah, are your kids yeah. like how old are your kids now? Do your kids are, are they impressed at all by they're any of that into or music? Not? As far as I mean, they're sort of like me in the sense that they're into music, but they don't really play a lot of music. Um, there's plenty of you know there's instruments around the house, but they're they're far more like fans of music. Yeah, and my daughter's consistently pulling out good things for me to check out, and she's 
you know, with Spotify and all the choices nowadays, it's very easy for kids to go down wormholes. Whereas, like us, you know, as old timers, we had to find the forty fives and oh, I know, or just hear about it or like read about it in magazines, yeah, and then try and right. find it. Yep, send three dollars and fifty cents to some guy in Pennsylvania. Exactly, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, it was very different. So, but you know, they've got the fever as far as like loving music and all that, oh, and good. um. They're better off yeah. not playing. They're better off not playing any instruments. Really. Yeah. It comes down to, <laughs> At this on. point, you know, we I know uh, we know what the, what yeah. that does to most of the people we know. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, and it's not pretty. It's not pretty. It's not. It's not. Well, it can. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. I'll, but knowing, I'll stop there. <laughs> all right. So knowing the the bands you played in and the music that you've mostly been associated with, it was kind of a shock for me for the album that you picked to talk about now. But and not that it's not a great album. But uh, what are we talking? What, what did you choose to talk about? What are we talking? About? I chose I chose Stevie Wonder's uh, "Songs in the Key of Life" double LP with a bonus EP. Yeah. Only because it was that record to this day. Has um has has had a grip on me since its release. You know, oh, okay. it's like uh, there was the thing about that record when it came out, and it was right as I was about 14, 15 years old, and I was definitely leaning towards heavier sounds with punk. I've been into metal and all that, but after hearing Inner Visions, I guess that was seventy three. Right. Um. That was that was the beginning of my love affair with Stevie Wonder, and by the time Songs in the Key of Life came out, it was I was I was in I was in it just so deeply it was like a fantastic headphone record and going back and re-listening to it i'm just gobsmacked by how great of a singer stevie wonder is oh my god i know right it's just like he is is, you just can't say enough what a treasure he is and what a musician you know and and they talk about musicians like you know you talk about someone like uh michael jackson or bob dylan or prince and it's like Stevie Wonder is right up there with like one of probably one of the greatest ever, you know, just, I yeah, mean, he just absolutely. is. Um, There's always going to be people in my mind that I feel like they're not really underrated, but in a way they're underrated. Like, right. Exactly. Like Duke Ellington would fall into that camp. Like Stevie Wonder, despite those five perfect records he had in the seven, in the early seventies. Like, he's still just not talked about in the way that certain people are talked about. It's true. Yeah. And it's almost like I, I was thinking maybe it's because it's like taken for granted almost because everyone knows. Oh, yeah. Well, of course. Yes. Stevie Wonder's great, right. Of course. And then they just sort of yeah. go, but and they'll talk about someone else. But yeah. Uh, all right. So this album came out in 76, September 1976. And, and yeah. like you said, it was in that whole period. This is, by the way, this was his 18th studio album already at this point. Insane. In Insane. And he's what, right? 25? Yeah. 25, 26 years old. Oh, my God. <laughs> and like, let's just say, let's ballpark it. 25 hit singles. Maybe 20. Right, right, you know, right, right. Before that record. Yeah. And um, all right. But how does a kid. All right. So here. So first thing I'm wondering, a kid that's already starting to get into, you know, form his musical loves and everything. How do you get into like Stevie Wonder? Just because it's because like I remember when this album came out and I, I had a. Uh, a cousin, an older cousin, and they visit, and he, he was gay. It's funny. He was gay, but like back then, you know how you would sort of like no one in the family really knew because they're they're idiot. They're like, oh, he just he just hasn't met the right person or something. And it's like when you yeah, look back yeah. and you realize, oh, well, clearly he was gay. <laughs> of course. Oh, we all have people like that, and it's great to get back in touch with them via Facebook or any social media. It's like, all right, man, it's awesome that you. <laughs> I know that that's how you came out because. You know, we all had inklings, but we loved you. We didn't care, right. you know. Well, he passed. Sadly, he, see- he passed young. So sadly, he never got to. I don't think he ever even got to really do that. Uh, but, uh. you know, like I said, looking back. And he was great. But I remember this album had just come out. And I was, like, staying over, visiting. We were staying over for, like, a, a weekend or something. And he's just playing this nonstop. And so I really, I also had a big connection to this. Just because how could you not, like, listening to it now over again. Yeah. How could you not love this record, right? No, uh, no matter what kind of music you listen to. No, absolutely. And that's the other thing about it. It's like, there's... <laughs> well, first off, he's tackling like, oh, I'm just going to write a double album worth of all the things that happen in life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. I'm going to take every big message and every big thing that, that goes on in an average person's life, and I'm just going to paint this thing. Right. About what that's like to me, you know... And I can't even see the world. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he paints these pictures, and you're like, "Well, I'm sorry, but there's just there's untouchable genius on that record." 
It, there is. And, and, he's and not, again, he's not even shying away. He doesn't shy away from anything, whatever he's, he wants to sing about. And, and I was kind of amazed now, blown away reading it. Because well, obviously then I'm younger. I didn't maybe realize how heavy some of this was, you know? Uh, it really that, is. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and it's great. Uh, good on him for even at that point. I mean, I, although I don't know if he had pressure. You feel like all these artists, they always have pressure from the labels because no matter how successful they are, they're always. And I guess, but uh, so around this time, uh, so you obviously must know a little bit about this this record, the history of it and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. Cause well, this, there's that whole thing where he just kind of pressed Barry Gordy for a lot of money like $13 million or something like that to secure the rights of the catalog. I don't know if it was the catalog or just that record, but it was like for mid seventies, it was a lot of money. Right. And Barry Gordy just, he took the chance. And of course, when he looks back and, you know, he's just like, I'm a genius, but he he was very nervous. Yeah. Handing out that kind of money. But he was also Um, thinking at that point, wasn't he also maybe thinking of not doing music anymore and just moving to Africa and doing charity work and things like that? I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, You know, like there was a little history I watched a while back, but I mean, you know, like he was definitely just, you know, on the cutting edge of a lot of things. Right. Right. Stevie was, you know, and he's just there was a um, I guess before he started working or maybe during his work on on uh, songs in the key of life, he had this car accident, right? And right, that sort that of really rejigged his rejigged accident. his thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and that was another key factor. And you know, like just a, maybe just sort of approaching this and like a, oh, I have to write my thing. I have to write my big statement. Yeah, and, um, and 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 so often those things can just tank. <laughs> oh, I I know, right? It could have just been this giant uh, boondoggle that yeah, that that, that oh. no one got and just all over the place. But it's amazing yep. how he's able to rein it all in. And and another thing I appreciated, I know you mentioned Intervisions, and, and we we did that. We did an interv- uh, an episode on that record, and he played mostly everything on there. And as he can, obviously he could play anything, and he could play anything. And uh, but. On this album, even though he 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 does play a lot on it, he also had all these different musicians play on it as well, which really adds oh the a cream lot. the cream of the crop yeah, yeah. yeah the cream of the crop all those guys are just constant players right and all down for whatever Stevie had you know and that was the thing it just seemed like Stevie had this energy where you know you'd look up and you'd be like we've been in the studio for a day and a half <laughs> oh right right yeah yeah and and yeah you know I his his. I was just gonna say I don't think any of it was like super drug fueled on on his end anyways. Like I don't think I think he was a pretty clean living guy. I think he was just had superhuman strength in that I think regard. So, yeah. Oh yeah, I think so for sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was just gonna say that another cool thing he did was that he was real, he was real important to him to credit all the musicians on the record. So you know in reading it like who played what on the song because he got that from I guess. Mm-hmm. Motown he had a he like loved all these uh, Motown records and he was like disappointed like he had to really find out who was playing on it because they would just you know they wouldn't put it these guys would just these uh, studio musicians would just play on all these records and he's like well who who are these fantastic musicians so he, he, he made a point of it of making sure that they would all get credit for which is a- you know, that, the booklet the booklet the booklet that comes with the records is it's that was a, you know like all this stuff was just mind-blowing to to me as a 14-year-old or 15-year-old that, like, he's taking African chance in making these songs and, you know, just, right. it was just such a, it was such a, a, a wider view of the world than anything I knew growing up north of Boston. You know, it was just, it was fascinating. Endlessly, endlessly fascinating. Yep, it is. And, and also, another thing I appreciate is, obviously, you could tell he's a very spiritual person. He, he sings about God and stuff, but that never bothered me the way he did it because he never got overly preachy about it or anything. It was just something obviously that was important to him and inside of him. And and I always feel like he sort of equated uh, God and love and music like all together. For him, it was like all one great thing. I completely agree. I do. I completely agree. Yeah, that's... um, And that's, you know, I'm not a super religious person, but if there's any sort of thing that I, I can... I wouldn't say relate to, but I can get into is like good gospel music. Well, 
Um, right. Especially raw gospel music, you're like, well, this is just, this is, you know, this is like a precursor to punk. <laughs> it's well, yeah, way. because these people like, are singing it with such conviction, and you know that it's coming straight from their heart, and there's, they're singing, they're, they're presenting it with so much conviction. How could you not uh, appreciate that? Even if you don't have that faith that they have, you could still appreciate it, you know? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And, so, you know, you know, for me, music is the, the you know, just one of the, one of the great things that's been done or gospel music in God's name, you know, because I feel like there's just been so many horrible things done in God's name, right, you know, exactly that, that music sort of tips the scales a bit and it helps me. <laughs> I yeah. was never a super religious person. So right. I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't go through a lot of the trials that my, that a lot of people I know did as far as like being raised Catholic or, so I felt like I, I dodged a bullet with right. a lot of that. Me too. Me neither. Which is why maybe that's why we're so like some people I know who are really anti, you know, anti-religion. That's why, because they were, they were raised so like in a strict religious uh, upbringing and they sort of oh. rebelled against that. But yeah, I never had that either. I mean, um, my family was Jewish, but we were never religious or anything, you know? So, uh, it was, um, but yeah, it's not, like I said, it's not anything that, uh, that I have a problem with. And I can't imagine anyone having a problem with, especially, all right, so let's get into the record. Let's start yeah. listening to yeah, it. Yeah, let's... The first song, love, I mean, he's saying love's in need of love today. How could anyone be against yeah. that? Cause he's just basically, right. <laughs> he opens it uh, like a sermon, almost like he's delivering a, a sermon, right? Oh, I would, I would agree. Yeah. Cause it's like it, uh, that sentence alone, the title alone, it, it, it means there is love out there, but man, it could use some help. <laughs> exactly, exactly, which is you know? so uh, prescient, you know, right up to today for sure. Um, Absolutely. And he, I guess on this particular one, he played pretty much everything on it, including like a clavinet and a bass synthesizer. And I guess he started using this Yamaha GX1 synthesizer and, and it has this sound where it could sound like strings, it could sound like all different things, but he was really oh, good yeah. at using it and not, somehow it doesn't really sound cheesy, you, uh, you know? No, no I, you know, a lot of that is, I, I feel like when you see him play those things, you're like, it's his feel that makes it what it is to right, a degree. Right. Cause you're just like, all right, what he's doing is not super high, you know, like highfalutin composition, but boy, but boy, his feel is just, it's just unbelievable. Right. Right. That's a word I'm going to keep leaning on <laughs> Yep, yep. <laughs> is unbelievable because it really is to me. It's like unbelievable music. It is. And the, and his voice right beginning because the opening choral introduction is basically him singing all, all these choir parts. Uh, and it's crazy. Beautiful. All right. Let's listen to a little yep. bit of Love's in Need of Love Today. friendly announcer I have serious news to pass on to everybody what I'm about to say couldn't mean the world's disaster could change your joy and What is it? What is it about that two kids who are get, like getting into punk rock and stuff could hear that and not just completely turn it off and say, "Oh, that that sucks." It's like it's just so good. Some things are just so good that uh, you know, un unless you're a complete moron, you how could you not see how great that is? It really was one of the only records that um, that crossed over for me once I started getting into punk because once I got into punk, it was like there was a lot of like 
short-term memory loss. You know, right. as far as like, <laughs> bands that I had liked a year before, I was like, Led Zeppelin, more like Dead Zeppelin. You know, yeah, I was just like, right, right. Of just course. super obnoxious about it. And of not super obnoxious, but I was, you know, just like I was just burning bridges left and right. But yeah, this yeah, was same. one of the records, that, the, this is one of the records that just, it just, it just boomeranged. <laughs> not yeah. boomeranged, it just leapfrogged and never fell out of favor with me for whatever reason. Well, for the reason is because you're, like I said, you're not an idiot and it's one of the greatest <laughs> records ever made. <laughs> yep. So there's a lot of, yeah, so it's two rec- It's a two record, so there's a lot of songs. So we're going to talk, the second one, Have a Talk with God. That's like a, another inspirational, like I said, uh, synth funk uh, tune, uh, which is sort of like uh, talking, communicating with God. Uh, but the third one, Village Ghetto Land, uh, again, the, the strings, what sound like the strings, is him oh. using this Yamaha GX1, which, which just you know, because he was into all these new synths that were coming along and new keyboards and stuff, you would hear the, I, you would hear these tunes, this one in particular, and you're like, I don't know what he is playing, like I have no oh, right. idea where yeah. that sound is coming from, exactly, because it was all brand new, exactly. And there was yeah. no other records that were like at least there was nobody else using certain keyboards like he was using them because he just had this innate ability. Right. And you, you, so you would hear these things and the, the, the lyrics for, for uh, this song are just gut wrenching. They are. You know? it's and, dark. And, and, I, and play and played against those chords and the, and the, and the string sound. Oh, I, exactly. It's, it's such a stark contrast. And I didn't realize it till now, you know, actually digging into the record and looking at the lyrics. I'm like, wow, this is really dark. And it's so beautiful that he's putting these lush strings and he's uh, juxtaposing that with these dark lyrics. Uh, let's uh, let's listen to a little bit of Village Ghetto Land. Would you like to go with me Down my dead-end street Would you like to come with me To village ghetto land See the people lock their doors While robbers laugh and steal Beggars watch and eat their meals from garbage Glass is everywhere It's a bloody scene <laughs> Just uh, Killing plagues the citizens unless they own police Children play with rusted yeah. cars Swords cover their hands Politicians laugh and drink Drunk to all demands It's like, these are really dark, heavy lyrics Oh, oh, yeah And, this, and you know, every time you, you'd hear it You'd be like, just like the, the last time I heard it, that line about um, uh, people eating dog food. Yeah, I was right. Just like, oh, like it just stuck in my throat. Exactly. And, and this is a record or a song I've heard, you know, hundreds of times. And I'm like, oh, God, God. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's only be, you know, and it's the way he kind of sings the song. And, you know, like you'll just be hearing these little catches he'll have in his voice. Yeah, he paints, like, well, it's like you said. That's he, the emotional goal. He... Uh, paints a picture with the music which is so amazing because he's blind you know you think about oh my god he's blind but he paints these such he's visual it's like so visual you could picture everything he's singing about and it's really oh, amazing yeah it, is. it really is um how do we call ourselves uh, musicians even I, I, I always wonder that when you think about something yeah, like this and you yeah. say, people say are you a musician well i play guitar and i play in bands sometimes right. but you know <laughs> oh yeah yeah in the face of that i mean you, yeah, yeah. If, if you're gonna Sit down, Stevie Wonder, at any instrument, and he's just going to make something wonderful from it. You're like, well, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, I, there's I dabble in guitar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's musicians, and then there's musicians. All right. So you this, know this next... A seventh chord? It's really yeah, yeah. beautiful. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, 
But I was just going to say, meanwhile, he's got an 18 part, you know, symphony. Yes. Buzzing yes. Around and he's like harmonizing head, you know? <laughs> with himself with all these crazy harmonies. And he's doing it all in like one take because he has a, a perfect pitch and he he'll, right, right. he'll never <laughs> sing out of pitch, out of key. Uh. <laughs> all right. So this is a funky instrumental, really funky, uh, with a whole bunch of musicians playing on it. I guess it's kind of like jazz uh, fusion-y, right? Oh, absolutely. I would yeah. say that this this song, as far as like deep tracks, when this record first came out, this was my favorite deep track song. Oh, okay. Um, you know, as, as much because it, it was sort of like that gateway from like the Jeff Beck records I was listening to and, and other prog, you know, or like, you know, sort of jazz fusion-y kind of things that I was right, hearing right. back in the mid-70s. And this song, this song had like the, the, the drumming on this track, the guitar playing, it's, it's thrilling. It really is. It's like a thrilling song and all the little breaks are incredible. There's little audio mistakes or just like little things that you hear, like oh, somebody yeah, you hitting can hear, a pick. Well, you can hear these guys playing, the, playing you, the, the shit out of it. And actually, do you know who's playing a guitar, right. like the main guitar? Do you know who that is? I think that's um, Mike Zambello. Fame from yeah. Maniac, the uh, Maniac guy. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that was his, that was his yeah. big hit. He's killing it on guitar here, though. Isn't that funny? I was going to ask you: yeah. <laughs> Were you already playing dr- drums at this point? No, I was. You know, I was. You know, long. My folks were in their fifties when I was in my teen years, and they weren't going to have me having a drum set in the house. They just it wasn't. Okay. It just wasn't going to happen. So I would go to friends' houses who had kits and play for a little bit, and but like honestly, I didn't play. Uh, with any sort of regularity until I had moved out of my folks' house. Oh, okay, okay. So it, it wasn't something that I did through, you know, and that's like one of my big regrets is like I didn't really have access to play music when I was a teenager, whereas a lot of my friends that ended up being great musicians had that time in their teen years to just shed and get their get their act together. You know? uh, right, right, right. And I, I didn't have that. Uh, but you still got to listen to stuff like this. Let's listen to a little bit of Contusion. Oh, God, yeah. I love it when when that part comes around again that was fading out there when the um the female vocalists go chime in. Oh it's, right, right, right. I, I just love that bit so much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it, Not that I'm normally into people like soloing with guitar solos like vocally, but <laughs> I know, I know. Isn't that crazy? It's it's so funny because there's so much on here that normally I would say, ah, no, that's not my thing. But still, you just can't help. I don't know. There, there's just something about this record, and especially yeah. so this next song, Sir Duke, which was a uh, which which was a, uh, a hit, a big hit, and it's partially a tribute to you had mentioned before uh, Duke Ellington, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He, yeah, who had passed away in, in 1974. But he also yeah, mentions yeah. Uh, Louis Armstrong, Satchmo, and Ella Fitzgerald, and uh, Count Basie. 
That's the Count Basie, yeah. Yeah, and the horns on this one. And just, this one just, it sounds so, like, joyful. You hear his his joy, like what I was saying before about how he just finds so much joy and, like, love in making music. And you could hear that in this song so much, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this song This song was, like, I think, I, if, was this the first single or I Wish? I think this was the first single from the record, if I remember right. And I it was just, so. it was like a, you know, it was like a, it was like a heralding. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. It was just like, here I am. Here's the new, here's the new thing that I got going on, or one, one part of it, and and it's catchy as hell, and <laughs> right, like exactly. it just, it just was like a huge hit, and it was just, you know, it, it just to me at the time I was probably like, well, this is just where Stevie Wonder belongs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> he right. deserves to be the most heavily feeded musician at that point, and he then what took three years off and put out a weirdo you know, the, the life of plants record after that, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> like he just took, some, like, I feel like he was, just, it was sort of like Whatever, to when Dylan, Dylan was working, you know, towards blonde on blonde and that crazy tour. And then he was just like, Oh no, no, I need to not do anything for a couple of years. Right. Right. Oh yeah. You can understand <laughs> you know? that. I could, you, you could not do anything the rest of your life. <laughs> if you want. Yeah, exactly. To, you, know? you know? Yeah. If, you, if that's the way you want to go with it, that's exactly. okay. Cause I think, it, I think this, little four or five album run that Stevie Wonder had would get all of us through, I you know, so. for the rest of time. All right, yeah. let's listen to a little bit of Sir Duke. When they when they do that like bam thing and you could hear him yelling in the background and laughing, I that oh. just, how could you not smile? Like you just smile so much when you hear that, right? Just it, yeah, it, it's just always been the way with that track. Like I I I work in retail and I hear that song not all the time, but fairly often. But it's never like oh yeah right right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not like when Bad Company come on and I'm like oh yeah exactly. Really? Yeah. <laughs> God so damn! It's I'm true because, how could, like band. I said, you just hear the 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 joy in it is so like you can't. I mean, you would have to be the most miserable person in the world to not appreciate. Oh that. yeah, which and just there are some like people. You said, the syncopation <laughs> of those horns. Yeah, the syncopation yeah. of those horns is very reminiscent of like you know certain things that I love about Duke Ellington stuff from like oh, the thirties okay, and forties. Okay. Is like these horns were just you know it, it was like. Horns sometimes will just get into this thing where it's like it sounds like a, a train, and you're like, that's like one of my favorite musical things that happens when when oh, nice. a, a band can like sound like they're a cooking train. You know what I mean? Right. And it's just it's just like man, that that just the way that the rhythms play off of each other in that setting just kills me. And and Stevie Wonder, you know, he summoned it. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. You're just exactly. like, well, if this horn plays with this horn in the, at this interval. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So now your parents, you had mentioned your parents were older. I'm sure they hated most of the music you listened to, but what did they think of this? They they had it like this, right? Oh, I think Stevie Wonder was, you know, pretty universal. I mean, my mom was not really into too much in the way of newer music at the time, but she did love stuff that, you know, like Tony Orlando and Dawn. Like, she liked things that were like <laughs> yes. hearkening back to an earlier era you know like, oh, right. like she could get into stuff like that she liked um i remember she liked jim croce and stuff like that oh, okay. but like the records that she had from when she was you know younger were like um jazz vocal records and right. uh, k-star records you know like 
things like that. Right. And um, that's where her, that's what she liked, which of course I didn't appreciate at all when I was a kid, once I was into rock music, especially. Right. Like I didn't, I didn't care about jazz vocals. My brother, my older brother, oldest brother, um, he got to see all the jazz greats in the late fifties and early sixties. Oh, really? Um, yeah. He was 20 years older than me and he was just, he was just there. Like Miles Davis would come to town for a week and he would go three or four times. Oh, or, wow. Uh, Monk and Mingus and all those guys, when they came up to Boston, he would go and, you know, go to see these shows. And I didn't care. Right. Of course not. No. <laughs> until <yeah. laughs> until the Minutemen said jazz was cool, right. I just didn't care. She'll ring around a people, a ring of imperialism, face of fascism. Split red, stamp job. Split red, stamp job. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, that was our jazz. The Minutemen became at least for me. That became my jazz. You know, I could. Uh, That's true. Yeah, yeah. no, I very much so. That's true. Um, all right, so we flipped the record over to this first song inside two. I would say, even if you think you don't know this song, you've heard this eight-note bass line by Nathan Watts because it's been sampled a lot, and and you just know it. So let's listen to a little bit of I Wish. is just one nasty groove right i mean it's so oh. <laughs> did did stevie wonder play the drums on that one because i know i've seen footage of him playing that drum part but he was a monster drummer so, you know he oh, really was yeah no i had no idea and then th there was some footage that came out of him playing drums in brazil in like 1970 oh okay and i'm like this is like oh oh he's a consummate drummer yeah Great. of course <laughs> right <laughs> And he can't see. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so this, I had no, I, I always loved this song because I just love the, the sound of it and the groove and how nasty it is. I had no idea what it was about. It's really kind of a, it, it's just about uh, wanting to, to go back, wishing you could go back to the fun you had when, uh, when you were a uh, kid. And I didn't realize that. I always, I, I never really knew what it yeah. was about, but I yeah. didn't know it was just such a simple story like that. He's just singing about, you know, how simpler times were when you were a kid. And I guess the voice that says, you nasty boy in there, I guess that's his sister Renee Hardaway yes yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I mean it was funny to, to 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 know that that was like what he was talking about because like again like you know just like growing up in the vanilla suburbs of Boston I was just like just captivated by Wonder's ability to put you in a place right 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 you know and just be like like you're with these people for the length of this song yep. due to the joy of the situation you know but it's yep. like a lot of it is, is, you know, everybody can pine for earlier times. And, right. you know, whether the, whether this was what Wonder really, you know, went through or if it's just like, you know, the, the artistic license of writing about it, it's it's just, it's well done. It's just, yeah, it you're is. right there. Right. And, and I guess I'd, I'd read that he he said a lot of times he would have music first and then he put the words on. And this originally was going to be a completely a different song. And then he he like heard some kids playing or something and he just came into his head that that's what he was going to make it in the song. And it's like so amazing that he could do that and just do a do a 180 on it and make it such a great song, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's that. You know, just imagine that sort of ability to just be like, well, I'm going to write about this. 
we'll see how it goes. And then that song comes I know, out. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, is. It, just, it blows me away. All right, so we got a couple a couple songs we're not going to play clips of, but we got Knocks Me Off My Feet. Is it pretty uh, traditional Stevie love song? Yeah. If I, uh, if I would say one thing about that song, I would say, like, there's just a little too much coda. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) You know, there's like a little too much. I don't want to bore you with it. It's like, it's beautiful, but it just kind of goes on a little bit for me. Okay. And this song, this album has like plenty of seven and eight minute long songs. It does. But for whatever reason, that one didn't really, it wasn't one of my favorites. And uh, Pastime Paradise is interesting because it's got that synth, uh, that kind of dark synth. And uh, Coolio had a hit with it, uh, the Gangster. Oh, yeah. He made it into Gangster Paradise. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Because I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it. Me be treated like a punk, you know that's unheard of. You better watch how you're talking. Where you're walking Or you and your homies Might be lying in chalk I really hate the trip But I gotta low As they cope I see myself In the pistol smoke Fool I'm the kind of cheater Little homies Wanna be like On my knees in the night Saying prayers in the street Which was, was uh which was pretty cool, and I guess Stevie, I guess he first heard it, and he didn't like it because it was kind of a bad word. There was a lot of bad words in it, so he asked him to yeah, tone yeah. it down a little, and then he did it, but uh, it's still cool. Well, that song, when I when I was playing the record last weekend, and that song started up, my 15-year-old was just like, they knew what it was, but they'd never heard this version. I'm like, well, right. this is, you know, this is where Coolio sampled it. So I had one of those moments, which... You know, I guess it happens all the time, but I was like, well, that isn't the first version of it. Exactly. Dad, this is. Yeah, one of your the dad moments. Yep. I had, I, it was a dad moment completely. Yeah. Yep, years ago, there was, I forget who it was, but some band uh, sampled uh, The Clash straight to hell and made it like this hip hop thing. And my oh, daughter right. were. I, th- I remember that happening. Right. And straight to So they were, my daughter was playing it, and I go, you know, you know, you know, that the actually, well, actually, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay, cool. But she still, of course, liked the other one better. But whatever. You of know. course. You were dad-splaining and it didn't matter. It didn't. It never mattered. Uh, all right. So Summersoft, really, really pretty. I, I'm curious why you focused on this one, Summersoft, because it's nice. Uh, it's just a really nice song where he's comparing love to the seasons. Maybe because you had you had mentioned you moved back to uh, New England for the seasons. So I did. And you're just I'll a tell you, you know, guy. it's you just tied up. A, a loose end for me just by just by what you said right there because i was moving i was living in la but we were moving back east and my wife had flown back she was six months pregnant and i was waiting for the moving truck to come and then i was we we're going to get everything on the truck and then i was going to drive with a friend across the country back here to massachusetts and i kept a handful of cds around and one of them was songs in the key of life and Summer Soft came on. It starts with this little piano thing. And I burst into tears. <laughs> ah, <there laughs> so it was, the, and it was the strangest thing. It was like I wasn't feeling remotely sad before the song started. But right. all of a sudden, tears just poured. And, and ever since then, but you just tied it up because it, I was going back to a place that had the seasons, exactly. whereas I had lived in L.A. for the prior six years. That's it. And... There was no real super change in the weather out there. No, no, there's no season. So yeah, you were going back to seasons, and it, and it wasn't like sad tears. It was just like tears, emotional. It was tears. just tears. Uh, yeah, the next step, and my house was empty. Right. You know, for the most part, like everything was boxed up. I should say. So it's just, it was like, it was an emotional moment. But awesome. now that you said that, that's exactly why I started crying. All right. Well, look at that. We tied it in a neat bow. Let's listen to a little Isn't bit that of nice? summer song. Summer song. Wakes you up with a kiss to start the morning off In the midst of herself playing Santa Claus She brings gifts through her dreams Morning rain Gently plays her rhythms on your window pane Giving you no clue of when she plans to change To bring rain or sun and so you wait to see what she'll do. Is it sun or rain for you? But it breaks your heart. In- 
sung, and, and one of those songs that would be a sleeper, kind of a sleeper. Like I said, I was like, oh, why do you pick yeah. that? But then I'm listening to it a couple times. I'm like, oh, wow, that's a really great song. It really is. It's a really beautiful song. There's like that right right as it was fading out there, it goes up to this higher note. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. And it's just yep. like, you know, a beautiful intro back into the next verse. Like it's 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 definitely a sleeper track. It's one of those songs that, again, it's got a little bit of the like extended coda thing going on, which right. was definitely something that Stevie did on occasion. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But you know, like you just there's there's a beautiful organ solo followed by this really cascading piano bit. Like there's all sorts of little. I'm gonna touches. play all that. Yeah, I'm gonna play all that under this right now. Yeah, because I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, just like beautiful, beautiful stuff. And he's just got this, um, I don't know, there's just like this sort of joyous energy to it. Yep. Despite the, the fact that there's minor chords happening, you know, it's just, right. I don't know, He's he was the master at that sort of stuff. Yep, he really was. All right, so yeah. or, uh, speaking of Coda's songs with Coda's, Ordinary Pain is another really interesting song. Cause it's Oof. yeah, because it starts out. He's talking about uh, first of all, how dare anyone break Stevie Wonder's heart? <laughs> oh yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's like job one. Don't break Stevie Wonder's right. heart, you know. But it's kind of cool because at the end, he's got now. Who is that singing at the end? Um, Shirley Brewer. Uh, comes oh, yeah. in and she's powerhouse. Yeah, and she's so, sort of telling, and you know, and he obviously wrote this, so he's owning up to the fact that ah, maybe he he you know was kind of an asshole at times too. Uh, you know, uh, maybe he deserves some of it. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a great song though. Let's listen to a little bit of Ordinary Pain. And then the second part I'm going to play underneath because um, she's saying, uh, go tell your story, sob sad, about you blowing what you had. Since one ain't good enough for you, then do yourself. See how you do. So it's like, oh, right. okay. In your face. Exactly. <laughs> In your face, Stevie. Yeah, yeah. That's great, though. Good for him for, you know, sort of not... Uh, just wallowing in the pit. oh poor me and you know owning up to it yeah you know he's oh, a rock I mean, star has... at the end of the day he is a rock star <laughs> right yeah and you know if, if he wanted anything i guess he could get it you know i'm, exactly. I'm guessing at exactly. that point especially but he um that song is like such a roller coaster yeah you know, right I just, because it's it's probably what seven or eight minutes long and the the vocals near the end and just um just the way the background singers sing Ordinary Pain. Yeah, yeah, right, Over right. and over again as it's fading out. Like, I can just, you know, even at eight minutes, I'm like, it can go on for another ten minutes and it would be fine with me. Right, You know, that's just that's thing. how much I love. A lot of the songs in here, they're long songs, but they don't, a lot of them don't feel like it just because, yeah, they could go on and on just because they're so, uh, they're so well done. Oh, just, yeah, just, it's just endlessly fascinating for me to hear certain, like, that would be a fun thing to do is just loop some of these things and just kind of have them playing as an ambient, you know, <laughs> that should be, that should be right. something I should look into. They should do that at know. the airport. They should just play this on a loop at the airport. Maybe people would be nicer. There. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't be such assholes. You're listening to Ordinary Pain, not yelling at, at everybody here in the airport. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so the first song on side three, Isn't She Lovely, which I had actually read, Isn't She Lovely was obviously a really, uh, it was a big song, but it, it uh, he he wouldn't let them cut it down because it's a long song because it has that whole coda with his daughter in the background. 
uh, right. and he wouldn't let them yeah, cut it yeah. for a U.S. single. So, but it, he in England they did, and it became a U.K. Uh, hit uh, single, but uh, never did. But I, I, if if he had, if they had cut it to a single, um, it would have obviously. And I was wondering, you have you have kids, so I I wonder if this is one of these songs that really because he wrote it to celebrate the uh, the birth of his daughter Aisha. And although the I read mm-hmm. the the crying baby at the beginning is is not her that's just like some other crying baby, right? Yeah. But at yeah. the end, that is her uh, when he's talking to her. He's that's him giving her a bath, and it's just so it's just such a sweet song. And anyone who has a, a daughter, especially, you could just r- relate to it. You know that uh, you know it's just like a joyful song about you know you oh, never yeah. thought you know what love that that you could love so deeply as you can when you have your own kids, even though they can be horrible and they drive you crazy, but, uh, you know, Oh, but boy. Yeah. It's like, there is, there is, you know, like again, the universal message of the record, you know, he just like delved into all that stuff. And, and, and there is something about having a baby that is, uh, incredibly joyful there is you know? and, and, and and he but, nailed it he nailed the whole feeling of it with the song right even though it says you could say oh it's kind of sappy yeah. whatever but he nailed it yeah i mean he got sappy later but i you know to me at this point he was still just hitting the mark you yep. know just being oh like, yeah I, I this could have teetered this could have teetered a little more and been a little schmaltz right but it it just didn't go there you know it's no, like it stayed it's no, it stayed in a creative lane i just called it's no i just called it to say i love you it's no that oh uh, gosh yeah <laughs> all right let's listen to a little know, bit of isn't this good <laughs> right that was that was a good example right <laughs> yeah no i was just gonna say good for him for cashing that check but oh yeah boy. of course of course all right <laughs> listen to a little bit of the the much superior isn't she love Once again, on this one, he's playing pretty much everything, all the instruments. And did you read? I read the harmonica. The har- yeah, the harmonica solo he played on here was just <laughs> improvised, with just like something he just improvised it. <laughs> it's oh, like it's yeah. iconic. No, it's, it's, it's such an iconic uh, solo. Yeah, and just and not shy or tentative. You right. Know, like exactly. it just he, he he didn't approach it as like, oh, I'm gonna clam it when I hit this. You know, this, yeah. this part. He just like like just probably about most stuff he did. He was just like. It flows out of me. Here it comes. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Isn't it? I can't even wrap my head around someone like that. You know, that's uh, yeah. someone who could do that. But like I said, a uh, uh, treasure, uh, such a treasure, right? Um, and yeah. you know, one thing I was going to ask you, I'm not going to play the next song, Joy Inside My Tears, but uh, it's just another really pretty love song. But I was wondering, since it comes right after Isn't She Lovely, he mentions a baby. He's talking about baby in the song. I was wondering, it could be about his daughter, that he's singing to his daughter. Boy, I'd have to I'd have to re-listen. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Ba- baby, it's you, you. You've brought some joy inside my tears. Baby, uh, you have done what no one thought could be. You brought some joy inside my tears. So that could be someone yeah. singing to their daughter, too. So it's just oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, I would not be surprised if that was the case. Right. So that, you know, like sometimes he would couch these things where you could figure out who he was talking about. But a lot of it was just like just the universal aspect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. of, of being with somebody and realizing like times are tough, but this is great. <laughs> right. Right. All right. So it, it's great. Uh, you know, I was thinking it's awesome that we're doing this record on uh, a Black History Month because it is uh Yes. February, yeah. and this is coming out this Saturday, so it will be Black History Month. And this song, Black Man, 
it's great because it's basically a laundry list of achievements by uh, people of color and not just black people of all color, which it's funny. Some of it you could say problematic because he's calling red man, yellow man, but obviously no, he's just, you know, because we all know what he's talking about and he's just saying, and, and at the end of the day, he's also saying that none of that should matter. It's just people. And I'm just saying about people, but um, really it's cool that this, when this record came out, this was after the whole, you know, it's early. It was, uh, I mean, he started writing it in 74 and yeah, um, 74, 75. Yeah. yeah. So, and uh, thank God, like I keep saying, thank God all these, those racial issues are all done with now and we're all over all that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Some Republicans said that. So I guess we're in the clear. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's done. uh, (laughs) As far as racism goes. Yeah. Ancient history, ancient history. Uh, But yeah. So uh, a great message, great song. Let's listen to a little bit of black man. So just those lines, we uh, pledge allegiance all our lives to the magic colors, uh, red, blue, and white, but we all must be given the liberty that we defend for with justice, not for all men, history will repeat again. Wow. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. And you know, I was, I was thinking, could you imagine what he went through growing up when he did a, a, a black kid also blind. So it's like not even knowing, seeing, you know, what, you know, why people are getting treating, why am I getting treated differently? And it's just like all the, the struggles that he must have gone through, you know? Oh gosh. Yeah. And you know, just to have him see it in such a, a way that, you know, I guess one of the things about this record is just, it left these real, I was, you know, at 14, 15 years old, you're pretty impressionable to yeah. certain things. And there was just a lot of black pride that I was taking in back then, you know, like, and right. and Stevie Wonder was a big part of that. Like, you know, Muhammad Ali and exactly. uh, yes. Roberto, Roberto Clemente. Like, yep. there was all these examples of, like, you know, like just um, incredible examples of really fantastically creative or, you know, athletes or whatever it was, black people that I would see on TV or here on records and I'd be like, you know, it just did, it seemed like there was this momentum going towards some sort of, you know, de-escalation of racial tensions. And that was a part of it for me. It was like, oh, well, you know, I couldn't ever just like say all black people are this or all black people are that because that's not true of any race. You know, it just like all these things became self-evident. Right, right. Oh yeah, but it's, it's, important it's it's so important that's why i hate when people say oh but why does it have to be why does he have to mention black why can't it just be people because it's not because it was because it wasn't like that for so long and it's you know it's like yeah he's saying hopefully one day that's how it should be but it's not like that and and i i love the fact that he would never shy away from those types of subjects you know and he's making all this beautiful uplifting music but he's also not afraid to get down and dirty with uh you know saying well things aren't perfect you know know, some things right change and get better so Good for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> hopefully any of those people like that aren't don't listen to this podcast. So <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably not, because they usually people feel like think that I also have shitty taste in music, too. Have, have you noticed that? Right. Yeah. That's, oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. The new, the new country. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so we're gonna talk about the final, uh, the song as um, an, another song. Maybe the best song in the record. Maybe yeah, the best yeah. Song in the whole record. I, I yeah. think I was gonna say that in such a, an epic. Another song that's kind of got like two parts to it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at first it's just kind of celebrating love and nature and all that. second half he gets like he sounds like like we were saying like a preacher like one of those more like a fire and uh, a brimstone type preacher right oh when he does that little lyrical bit where it's like that turn the words into love and then change, change that words into you know it's, he does this whole thing and then he talks about your children's grandchildren and their grand great great grandchildren will tell and then he hits this high note on the next part and is just one of the most beautiful things i've ever heard in my life <laughs> <laughs> and I say that every time I hear it. It's still, yeah. Turn your words into truth and then change that truth into love. And maybe our children, grandchildren, and their great grandchildren will tell. First half is really it's great it's smooth by the outro you kind of get both Stevie's you know because you get uh, yeah uh, passionate he's passionate about life and optimistic but man when he digs in and, and you know when he digs in and gets that growl in his voice and then he, he, he's just amazing what he could do with his voice yeah as good as it gets as good as it gets and uh, the music <laughs> is incredibly funky and you got Herbie Hancock on there too. I guess it's Wonder That's and right. Herbie Hancock both playing Fender Rhodes pianos and uh, sort of intertwining with each other. And, and again, with the, with the background vocals, just the way yes. they they hang back and, oh. and and all the you know all the lyrics that they have to be on top of right um, for right. the coda. It's just, it's, I'm just again gobsmacked by the beauty of this track. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it, it's great, and and it's so I'm I'm glad I'm I'm so happy when people bring records that obviously that I just haven't listened to in a long time and forever, and then you listen to it again, and then you remember, okay, this is why it's one of the people that's on the list of you know the greatest albums ever, and this is you know there's yeah. a, there's a reason, and uh, it, it it's nice that things like that happen because like you said, it could have been he spent like a really spent like two years working on this, he wanted to get it right, and it could have easily been like uh, I don't know like. Uh, Fleetwood Mac, a tusk or something, you know. Well, yeah, it's. I think <laughs> it's. You know, when, when you have the tusk. level of when you have the level of fame he had at that point, it's pretty easy to crawl up your own ass. Right, 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 right. Exactly, um, exactly. You know, and it, boy, talk about that not being the case. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely not the case. So, yeah, so Bob, uh, like I said, this is a great record. I'm sure a lot of people are gonna say, Bob Feo, Sebado, awesome. And then what? Wait, what? He's doing <laughs> Stevie Wonder, but. No, it was great. It was perfect. Uh, I'm really glad you did it. And so we're doing this a little early because you said you got to go rehearse. So you're you're going yeah. to rehearse? Well, actually, yeah. I mean, I actually have to run um, 
with our with the whole new COVID thing that's going on here at the house, I have to run out and go grab something for my wife in the basement so she can cook food. Okay. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you have a lot going on. I, I know. It's just like, what a bummer note to end this whole thing on. But <laughs> uh, Well, what do you got? This is our life. This is, this is our lives now. But I think uh, better days are ahead. I, I really think... Uh, better days are ahead. I, I absolutely they agree. And I feel right. like... They have to yeah, they they fucking better be. <laughs> better be. So what do you? Uh, so Bob, what do you work? Are you working on anything now that anyone can check out? Or you know, I've got this that? band. I've got this band called the Lost Hours, and we're working on putting out something through the um, through actually a Florida label called um, Houndstooth Houndstooth. Yes, Cottage. Uh, yeah, Houndstooth yeah. Cottage. I know Houndstooth Cottage. Yeah, yeah the um, what's yeah, his Tony, face and his Tony wife? Uh, Tony Capel. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he's putting out a tape of ours. Um, Good for sometime Tony. in the near future. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. he's he's a real sweetheart, and that's like my most song like band. So this will be <laughs> like a lot of the stuff that I've put out in the last year or so has been like me just trolling the archives in the basement and coming up with good sort of improvised jams that I like, whereas this one is very much tunes that we've worked on for a while. And, oh, nice. Oh, that's really exciting. Yes. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to message yeah. Tony and let him know. I got I to gotta get Tony on, actually. I think I've talked about it before. And, uh, Tony's, yeah, he's a great guy. He he's a, he's a, he's a real sweetheart. I mean, every scene has a guy that has a, a guy like Tony. You're like, all right, well, you know, good creative stuff is going to keep happening because that's people true. like him keep keep the whole thing going. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, that's awesome. What's the name of the band one more time? Oh, the lost, uh, the lost hours. The lost hours. Oh, that's great. I like the name yeah. too. All right, oh, so that's great. Uh, don't forget, guys. Uh, you can go to Instagram and Facebook. It's at that record got me high. Also, that Facebook group got me high. We're getting a lot of new members because now Steve uh, Michener has his own group, like his record group. So we have to, but like, oh, I feel I like I, I have to compete with him now because he's. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. He has more people than us already how is that possible? that guy is nothing if not a mover and a shaker he's a mover he is a mover <laughs> and a shaker and he's uh responsible he's a mover for and a many of our guests so yeah i know he's great oh, uh, i love steve yep you could uh on twitter it's at trgmh podcast twitter although twitter it's mainly for just people arguing about shit so i wouldn't worry about twitter that much <laughs> uh you could email me at trgmh33 at gmail.com and don't forget guys patreon if you guys want to become patrons of the show go to patreon.com forward slash TRJMH, we're doing a new um, patron-curated episode that's going to come out for uh, Valentine's Day. That's a lot of fun. So if you want to get in on that, uh, check out Patreon. Consider becoming a patron of the show. That would I would appreciate it. But if not, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to share it with all your friends, all your music-minded friends that aren't asshole racists. I would appreciate it. Bob, <laughs> thanks again. I wish you I wish you luck with all you got going on there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's you know it's definitely a, a different week here, uh, yeah. but I appreciate the, uh, the the chance to talk about one of my favorite records. And again, glad to throw a curveball at you. Glad you didn't expect a <laughs> no. It was great. <laughs> the was, Stevie Wonder record. So. It was perfect. It was great, and I uh, hope to have you on again. And uh, yeah, we'll keep in touch. All right, Rob. Thank you very much. All right, we'll see you guys next week. I'm out of here. All right, take care.